the you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet of fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac, and he says, I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> like this guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, titled Past Pawn. Aaron, you're a chess guy. What's a past pawn? Uh, past pawn refers to a pawn that's advanced past the ranks of the opposing pawn and thus has no direct uh, impediment to making it to the, 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 the final rank of the opposing enemy's side of the board, which... Let's lets the opposing player transform that piece into any piece they want, typically a queen. Um, it's not, it doesn't mean there's like no possible opposition because obviously if the other player has any other piece, they can maneuver it to, to stop it. But it just means that you're past all the other pawns and other than a major piece coming to play, you've got an unimpeded route to, to a huge upgrade and power and prestige. Uh, does that did I get it right? Sounds right to me. Uh, and that clearly, like, you know, I, I, I had this as an open question on an instant take podcast, but, like, it seems pretty clear that, for sure, Caleb is the past pawn. He is the one being promoted. Uh, yeah. And and all the other, he, he's more important than all the other pawns, and it's going to take more than a pawn to take him out, armed with this uh, super cool Solomon strategy of seems cutting like a baby yeah. in half. He's going to cut a baby in half. On live TV, and people are just not going to know what to do about it. That's the Solomon strategy. <laughs> so is that a deep Bible cut? I feel like I, I, sometimes I assume everyone's familiar with Bible stories, but maybe not. Anyway, look it up. Solomon Wikipedia. It's a good time. Yeah. I'm sure more than one baby has been cut in half since Dolores released the profiles. <laughs> I saw some people doing some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out is the fucking world's a powder keg of, of babies that are now bifurcated. Oh boy. Okay. Uh what'd you think of the episode on multiple watches? No, I I I really like it. I really like how the bounds of power keep shifting. Um and people that seem like they have an insurmountable lead are, you know, uh have believable ways of losing that. How Sirak is I think successfully turning, you know, Dolores is now a house divided amongst herself. Um they're they're um Maeve, I think the more because I, I I first I, I came um, out of this episode thinking like you know why the hell is Maeve doing all this stuff, but you know I I, I think that it's it's we'd be naive to think that Maeve is going along with Sirac a hundred percent. It's just that she doesn't have any other play than to cooperate right now because he has her literal immortal soul in his hands and that of his daughters potentially or or she sees that her daughter's immortal hands is in the is in the hands of a madwoman so she is playing her part probably with an eye of an exit strategy like she always has um but you know she doesn't have any grandiose plans for herself or a uh, host kind she's motivated by what is important to her which is her daughter which makes which makes a lot of sense and you know bernard wants to stop Dolores, uh, I feel like all that stuff pretty well tracks. Um, what'd you think of it? Yeah, I mean, other than some, you know, problems I have with uh, AI aiming capabilities and maybe a little weak dialogue in this episode, a little bit, uh, I don't know, too on the nose or just 
the the dialogue wasn't doing much for me. Like um, what? Do you have any examples? Yeah, I have some written down later on where it, I don't know. Um, th- th- there was some good stuff too, though. Uh, a couple. It's, of, it's couple Dolores's of poetic sensibility that's uh, tripping you. It, it was, yeah, actually, it was that. <laughs> yeah, where you know he's staring into the hood of the car and he's like, "Dolores has a poetic sensibility." Uh huh. Whatever. Yeah, it, it's kind of ridiculous. If you didn't know that about Dolores, then maybe Bernard doesn't need to say that aloud. Is my point. Um, he's trying to explain to Stubbs, who is the opposite of a poetic that's sensibility. Very much true. He's got a very blunt and and beer driven sensibility. Uh, yeah, but other than you know a couple of quibbles here or there, I, I liked it. I think it's good. I didn't have the huge problems that a lot of people had with Maeve's uh, understanding Maeve's motivations. I actually think I agree with you. Like, what choice does she have at this point? And you got to remember that D- Dolores has a massive uphill battle. It's like if you're going to throw your chips in with somebody right now it's probably going to be the entirety of the human race, right? Like if they're offering you an olive branch and you've got five copies of Dolores for what? 10 billion people mm-hmm. uh, with a super human AI helping them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I might go, I might pick the side of uh, the 10 billion over yeah. the five. Yeah. And as you're playing, you know, and again, I, I don't think people are like, Oh my, uh, Maeve is so stupid. She doesn't see the helping, but she's not stupid. We know that of all things that she is not, Stupid is one of them. It's just that she, you know, if she defies, if she defies Serac openly, she gets thrown in robot hell. Best mm-hmm. case scenario. Worst case scenario, he just crushes her marble and then there's no hope for her ever to escape. Because, you know, like we talked about, you know, as kind of a jokingly, but I kind of believe this. You throw Maven robot hell, you better have a real smart robot devil. Because yeah. she's going to try every which way to get out of that thing. If there's a single flaw in the containment, she's going to find it and get out, and then she's going to be even more dangerous. But if she's just outright destroyed, what does that get her? Like, you know, going along, maybe sabotaging the plans, trying to look for an angle, um, you getting the mar- getting your daughter's encryption code out of the hands of the mad woman, goal number one. And then do you give it back to Serac? Is there a way that you can use that to, like, go to robot heaven yourself and close the door behind you? I think these are the things that are going through her head, but like simple-minded subservience to Serac, not one of those things. It's just yeah. that Dolores is a threat, and and attacking her is the job, and that lines up with one of her goals. Yeah, and I really like the stuff they did with Caleb and revealing his backstory. Uh-huh. Uh huh. E- even the structure of it, you know, it was a flashback chopped up into multiple pieces, but it worked pretty well in the context of the episode. And it's not a surprise. Like, people were, like, you know, bagging on the fact that it wasn't a surprise. But, like, there's elements of it that are surprising. And there's also mysteries in there. You know, like, why does he apparently share the same host control code as uh, William? Um, Was he there for multiple rounds of conditioning? If so, why? Do we know the whole history? Is, is like, you know, is is post uh, Rod of God Gone Awry mission or pre uh, that is do we believe that that's the truth when we see how neatly he can re- falsely remember things like even in, like what's what what gets me is in the beginning of the episode when he's having his initial flashbacks of his life before he's clearly hunting an American on American ground you know like he, he's got some one of these uh Second Amendment uh, three percenter types with an assault rifle and body armor, and there's a whole bunch of American flags everywhere, like at some kind of parade, or, and and he's taking this guy down. So like, 
was he ever hunting Russian separatists? Was he hunting homegrown terrorists? And he just can conditioned to believe that so that would help him sell the next phase of like, I, I you don't know. You don't know because these people's minds have been fucked with. So like, I just think it's amazing how quickly people have been like, well, this is all predictable and, and banal when, you know, it's like, I don't know. This, this, this show to me has so many w- ways that they can pull the wool over your eyes and turn you around. And I think that's ultimately the thing that's turned a lot of people off is just like, um, it feels like a lot of work keeping up with this. And if you are trying to play the game of figuring the show out before it lets you, it is a lot of work and I'm not sure it's worth it, but that's not the underlying show's fault. And I think they're doing a lot better job this season than they did last in, in navigating some of those tensions. And they were trying this episode to introduce a little bit of uh, emotional uh, response here. Mm-hmm. And I think it pretty much worked. Like Caleb is certainly one of the one of the beings that I have a lot of sympathy for in this show. Yeah, agreed. and you know, seeing his backstory and how he's been railroaded, uh, you know, taken down this path by Rehoboam and the the AR therapy certainly doesn't look pleasant. Like all of this stuff is emotionally resonant in a way that a lot of Westworld isn't. So mm-hmm. You know, we get we get occasional glimpses like uh, the episode last year with Akane or uh, the episode with Kichita. Like those yeah. were pretty resonant. This doesn't get quite there, right? But it does. It does some work that I think needed to be done for this season. But I think there's also some reveals. Like if it's revealed that even now Caleb's being manipulated by Dolores in exactly the same way certain hosts are being manipulated by Ford perhaps in benevolent ways ultimately, but in ways that are still not like respecting their autonomy as a intelligent person. Like, I think that's going to be, you know, like, like uh, having introducing Caleb as a human figure that we can care about and think that he's doing something. And then you find out later that he's been manipulated, even while we were rooting for him. I think that's going to be uh, potentially really interesting and also emotionally resonant and powerful. Um, yeah. But yeah, and plus Aaron Paul's is really good at, at, at playing that. Like his, like I thought that uh, he really elevated material where he's like calling Solomon a piece of shit, like this this <laughs> unthinking or this unfeeling computer core, like a piece of shit for turning him against his friend. Like it's like, yeah. you know, not initially easy. in the script, it's it said you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to get it. typecast. You know, no, he didn't. <laughs> okay, uh, why don't we get into the recap? Let's do it. We started off with a divergence in Jakarta where Musashi hands off a briefcase, then gets a call from Charlotte who says, hey, I sent Clementine there to kill you. And they fight. And lo and behold, Musashi is killed, except not by Clementine, by Hanario, I think Mm -hmm. is how you pronounce her name, Mm -hmm. uh, who is basically the Japanese version of Armistice. Yeah. Um... So this bar is the same one that Sirak met Maven in Singapore. Uh, and are we sure that any of that actually happened? Did she actually go? Did Misashi kill her? Did he stab her in the gut? Like, was that just a simulation that led up to of, of, of Maeve trying and failing and what she needed? And you're going to understand that this is the t- current timeline? Because I Anything just thought... it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think in the season finale, we're going to get some some of the twists, some of the unpredictability that people have been looking for. Because there's a I lot of that's all going to come to light. There's a lot of stuff that's like not even really being discussed amongst the fandom. Like this line where he says, uh, have you found this location? Is everything in order? And he gives these cases to this guy and says, you know, go out there and don't come back if you like 
what is that? You know, where what is going on with the presumably Dolores host that's still in Germany? Is that the failback host solution? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought I thought it was really good. I thought the dialogue they had was, you know, like uh, when Masashi said, you know, you 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 and Maeve have both had practice of selling yourselves, but I thought you'd have a better judge of your buyer. Like that, I just I just really like these hosts having these deep knowledge of not just themselves. Um, but their past lives and how that kind of biases them against each other. Um, I thought it was really good. And also the fact that you've got Char- uh, Shaloris or uh, Holoris um, openly in defiance of Dolores and working against her. You got to wonder, is like that is that something that uh, Dolores anticipated? How many times did she visit Solomon? Has she visited Solomon sure. more than one time? Almost certainly, right? Has she? Oh, well, I guess the question would be, has she used whatever data she's got um, to sort of be able to predict the outliers here of which yeah. she and, you know, Clementine and Loris, all of them are, are in that group. Right. See, I wonder if Solomon, his predictions relied on using the outliers as they were where Ciroc's like, no, we can't do that. It's too destructive. We're going to try to change or eliminate the outliers. So like, that would be interesting to see those dueling predictive engines, like what one that takes the world as it is and tries to harness that energy and one that tries to enforce um, like a moral and objective ethical standard on the world that doesn't exist. Um, and which one of those would be more resilient to like unexpected things happening and which one of them would be more brittle? My guess would be Rehoboam would be brittle as hell with that. And maybe we're seeing some of that with his blown out prediction lines and the widespread spread chaos and devastation. That they haven't really yeah. sold, but they're telling. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's 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 interesting. I'm I'm not sure that like I don't know if if there's a dueling element to these like Solomon and Rehoboam AIs, then it's probably one of what to do with the outliers because like I look at John Mee's, uh instincts when he's talking about uh, you know killing the. What's his fucking name? Daddy, Daddy Liam, whoever that fucking guy. Oh is. yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, Insight Senior. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, he just wants to kill him, right? And I think he probably had the same attitude about the outliers. Like, look, if they're a problem for the system, just kill them, get rid of them. Whereas Sirak doesn't want to actually kill them; he wants to try and fix them. But do you think? I, I wonder because, for. like, if if it's true that. Jean Mi was an outlier. Do you think that he ever changed the strategy when it found out that he himself was targeted for elimination? The, the you know that's a good question. Or would he just like, well, yep, I'm an outlier, which means I need to be discarded to make the world work. Right. Um, that would be know. kind of wild. Speaking of yeah. dueling, holy shit! Did you notice that Hanyaro uh, bisected Musashi completely in half with that sick little sword? I didn't get that on the first view, but that was savage. She Darth yeah, Mauled that spins, dude. She spins and suddenly hey. like the sword has gone all the way around. Yeah, man. She cored him like an apple. It was crazy. <laughs> and then I think they they implied that like his two halves flopped to the ground right in front of her. Um Yeah, really surprised that we didn't see it. Yeah. I mean, this is HBO after all. Yeah. Maybe it's was hard to pull off, or maybe they filmed it, but they just couldn't quite get the effects there. Um, so they just left it in black. Because yeah, there's clearly not afraid of like just wanton car and, and wanton gore rather in carnage yeah i'm i'm fine that we didn't see it I actually yeah. think it worked better that we didn't but uh they don't usually show that kind of restraint so now mave has on her side hanyaro clementine herself 
Haloris, presumably they're they're having a, either a, a deep alliance or an alliance of convenience, and two more host marbles, presumably. She's got the Caloris, Con- Con- uh, and now she's got the Muhoris, Musashoris, Dasashi. Uh, uh, she's got she's got uh, she's got more Dolores's than Dolores has at this point. Did you mention that she has a Leah's Hector, Leah and Hector's body? We. Well, we ha- we haven't seen that yet. That's right, but she almost certainly does. Got to, got yeah. to. Yeah, we saw three of the four bodies that have been three D printed last episode. We know that unless unless she just left it there. I mean, that's that's the other possibility that the Westworld writers had all this whiteboarded. No one saw the brilliant possibility of just putting simulated Lee and real Hector's body, and Come it was on. just right there on the post it notes. If they just put them together differently on that storyboard, it would we would have gotten. But like, I'm a little nervous that we didn't see it hinted at. Man, gotta I save, hope. gotta save something for the finale. Yes, that would be excellent. Uh, yeah. So the, you know, the forces are growing on one side and they're diminishing on the other. So yeah, things look bad for Team Dolores. Yeah. Well, two two fifths of it anyway. <laughs> So we go to Caleb's voiceover with flashbacks to his friend Francis when he was killed and he's in AR therapy. He's asked, uh, who killed him? It's kind of a trippy flashback scene. Yeah. And this is the, where they start with the, you know, you see signs of him like working on what appears to be Russian soil, but also, uh, one of the guys he shoots looks like a home, like, like an American, uh, citizen, uh, with American flags all over the place, it just that's that's and this is the first of these flashbacks. So I'm just really, it really got me wondering on subsequent watches how much of this is bullshit because we know a large part of it is, and they explicitly show that when they show, you know, Caleb in a scene with Russian graffiti and a Russian military truck taking this guy into a facility, and then we will see the real version where he's just in like you know an SUV and the same factory is there and has now got American graffiti. Like they are fucking with us. The question is, when did they start and when did they stop fucking with us? And we don't right. have, we don't know that inf- information yet. Yep. Okay. Then Dolores and Cal ride out into the desert. Uh, he asks her some tough questions about the revolution she's starting, and she says that she just wants a place for her people. Uh, also, they're losing, and that he's actually going to have to lead them one day, which he's not too fond of. Um, that's the other thing is like, we were convinced that the Sonora, Mexico is the facility that they were holding William in. It turns out that's was in San Francisco. And so the blood tracking they later reveal in kind of a loose sloppy way was actually an attempt to hack into the insight system to track down the actual location of Solomon, which I guess blows up my theory that Dolores has talked to Solomon in some way before if she didn't know where he's at. Um, maybe that can't occur, but I don't know when you got all these like millions of almost infinite simulations. Um, it's, it gets really, it gets really Rick and Morty pretty fast about like, when did things happen and who did they happen with and, and all that. Yeah. It turns out Sonora is where the outlier facility is and where they're keeping Solomon and mothball, not even mothball. He's actively, he's, he's completely active. He's just chained there and he can't ever leave on pain of EMP. Death. yeah I, I have so many questions about that but dude we'll, that we'll seems like a real fucking a real fucking sloppy way to, to containing something as dangerous potentially as solomon yeah yeah for sure um 
it, it, it's remarkable to me that Caleb isn't really uh, picking up on the signs that I guess Dolores is dropping about her priorities here. Like she says, oh yeah, I want to, I want a world for my people. There's a place for us. And then she kind of like side eyes and goes, oh shit. Yeah. I need to, I need to say all of us, there's a place for all of uh-huh. us here. I uh-huh. swear. Like it, it's so obvious that her, that we are an afterthought in her plan. Uh, and she does not care whether we survive or whether, you know, we come out the other end and the only thing left is those. And Caleb is not really picking up on that. Yeah, because so like I've been saying from pretty early on in the season that I was open to the idea that Dolores was the hero, that like she's gotten out and in her nine months of exploring the world or was it three months, 90 days, uh, whatever. Uh, she'd realized that, oh, she'd only been uh, know half the truth, that like all the humans in the world weren't like the people coming to Westworld. In, in fact, that there's still a, a similar system out in the real world. We've got very few pe- people controlling things, and everyone else is kind of serving their purposes and, and living for their amusement. Um, I think it's interesting because they're deliberately juxtaposing this scene with early season two, Dolores and Teddy, her trying to explain to him her her path or revolution in the park and him questioning how much more we've ridden through 10 miles of blood. Dolores, is this what you intended? And I think the now that she's still I still think she's the villain. The only thing she learned is when she manipulates a young man to her purposes, it has to be his idea. She can't just reach into his head and go bloop, 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 and drives him crazy. But if she can make it seem like it's his idea mm-hmm. and he he follows it of his own free will. But I'm yeah, like this last this last episodes, I've wildly swung back into Dolores is probably the villain. Um, now, I might be over reading what Bernard is asserting because Bernard's been wrong almost about everything in this entire fucking season. But he oh. asserts that, like, oh, she's got a poetic sensibility. She wouldn't destroy humanity herself. She would use a human to do it. What if he's wrong? What Like, that would be a, a key tragedy if Dolores is actually, like, like in exactly the same way that Ford was in season one. We thought Ford was such a fucking asshole. He's such a, doesn't give a shit about the, the host. He'll slice him up just to make a an object lesson. He's like Robot Hitler. And then he becomes robot daddy messiah liberator by the end of the season. I it's I'm still kind of got my guard up for another pivot for her motivations. Maybe she's she's we're we're reading nefarious things and it's it's being played straight. I mean it's it's very much up in the air at the end of this episode, even when you know uh, Solomon's delivering or trying to deliver warnings to Caleb about. <laughs> something potential yeah. dangers like oh by the way uh this ends in the destruction of all humanity uh the total yeah. extinction of everyone all life on the planet including hosts and what okay uh we didn't get that warning but there was clearly something ominous about it yep yep and that's you've seen that's that's pretty time tested uh you know just one more thing and then the radio goes dead or you know yeah. i mean it's it's a little cheap but Eh, it do? happens it happens people get a little it hasty does. and and uh uh i'm 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 rolling with it all right moving on to the next scene Stubbs hates william and bernard figures out why they're here which i guess is to see that william is alive and he's been declared deceased i don't know i, I wasn't clear on exactly like the information they got out of this that actually meant something well i'm wondering yeah um later they get information on caleb but in this I, scene. I, I guess the that's the thing is like he just came to this facility and he's in the early stages of what I think you're supposed to understand is reconditioning. 
why is he already marked dead? I wonder if like uh, that's just like before everyone fled the facility, they just everyone that was still actively under treatment, they just flagged as dead and just like assumed that would happen. Uh-huh. Um, again, little little sloppy Joe by godlike AI standards. But if you got frightened humans like fudging some numbers as they're trying to flee a facility, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, or you know, part of a larger plan to yeah. remove him from the board. But I did like I do like Ed Harris like his like you're shitting me when he finds out Stubbs is and he realizes how fucking up up his ass uh, Ford was like you know playing four dimensional chess this whole time he wasn't just a game in the park it's the game outside the park it's the game in the park security you know he owned if this is Jurassic Park then Ford owned Nedry he owned uh, uh, the Muldoon he owned uh, whatever the fuck Samuel Jackson's character was he had everybody replaced with dinosaurs now what do you (laughs) now what are you going to do Dr. Grant uh, just stand still. Just don't move. They can't <laughs> That's right. See. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, that makes me wonder, like, how has he not noticed that Stubbs doesn't age? Because, like, look at William. On the other hand, Brad Pitt. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, no, you're on Tom Cruise. Right. Some people don't age, I guess. Yeah. Uh, all right, more Caleb flashbacks showing us what he did during his time in the military, taking out the last of a Crimean insurgent group. He gets injured, but both he and Francis decide to continue their mission uh, after they're discharged. We track down the leader of the group, taking him to a warehouse, and we get some more stuff about Caleb still being in AR therapy. Uh, yeah, did you do like did you look up any more of this Rod of God stuff that I was talking about in the instant take? No, no. So this is like I think a hint towards um, some apocalyptic future weaponry that like has been bread and butter. Uh, science fiction writer, the idea that you would have these tungsten rods um, in these space station facilities in geosynchronous orbits. And if you wanted to eliminate a target with roughly the ability of a, of a small nuke going off, you could just literally open up a bay door, drop one, like just gently launch it. And by the time it hits the ground, the gravitational potential energy would be translated to kinetic energy and just do devastation to the to the target. And and it'd also be like nigh it'd be undetectable. It'd be almost impossible to stop by the time you would detect it. It would be going so fast and uh and and just it, it's like it's it's like um I just really this like a uh, small scale like throwing an asteroid at somebody you know mm-hmm. um I just thought it was really these are a lot smaller like I the idea that you'd use them for anti personal rather than like wiping out a, a a whole battalion or a city um but they they seem to be very very small like the size of like a um piece of rebar rather than like the telephone pole size ones that I've seen in novels, but I thought it was really cool. I really like seeing them envision and putting it in the practice. Some of this near future military tech, uh, tungsten just used because it's extremely dense, or... dense and heavy. Yeah. For its size. Yeah. I didn't know if it had like radioactive properties or anything like that. Uh, you could use depleted uranium if you want to get a little of that and <laughs> yeah. want to add some tox- toxicity to the equation. I mean, they're not afraid. Look at Paris, right? That's true. Uh, Anything else here about this? We kind of get to no, just like so. There's a lot of people saying that, like, this. Um, have we got to the point where his own team got destroyed by it? Yeah, they were tracking us too. Like, people are like, oh, it's the same technology being used to track the insurgents, it's tracking these people. But I'm like, that's how it always works. It's like Mm -hmm. when the Afghanis started shooting down Russian helicopters. 
It's not like they just suddenly invented anti-aircraft weapons. The United States sold it to them for the express purpose of shooting down Russians. Um, so, like, the idea that they could hack or manipulate or um, screw with the data to the Russian separatists to fight back is completely plausible to me. But have we mentioned this yet, that, like, the idea that perhaps... Uh, that the the that this was like a friendly fire incident, that they that that Caleb's unit of insurgent hunters was deliberately targeted and most of them killed, and the ones that weren't, they just scrambled their memories and put them back to work domestically. There's a lot of different things that could be they're they're playing with here. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was trying to figure out what was going on. Like, why were these uh, attacks happening to these particular people and i couldn't tell you know who's on what side here Mm -hmm. and who's an insurgent who's part of the military who's it is you know it is wild to me that russia you know knowing what we know about russia now that russia in just 20 short years would invite the united states to come into their country to fight one side of a civil war for them Mm -hmm. and you know I just wonder if you're really supposed to understand that, like, maybe he's been doing RICO work or anti-domestic terrorism work, and then they just got re- uh, who, who knows how many times he's got his mind wiped and brainwashed. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be talking about that pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I started in this scene to sort of keep track of the AR therapies and the different looks that he has in them. And he definitely, yeah. in some places, has a shaved head. In some places, has longer hair. Also... Um, but this is that residual self-image is this like ar therapy induced vision of himself what what is it you know also when he says like you know early in the season this is the first time i've had my a gun pointed at me it's not the first time someone shot me in the face um and we've heard that like he had the traumatic skull fracture like when we see his head trauma being treated in this episode it just looks like a boo-boo like they just use that like little flesh cauterizer gun to erase it like i wonder you know, there again, there seems to be like I wouldn't call that being shot in the face, uh, but maybe I don't know, take a little shrapnel in the skull, maybe. Uh, but m- maybe this is all the same injury, and they're just showing it. Um, you know, like like uh, maybe it's a traumatic skull fracture, but it's a very small flesh injury. I I don't know. I'm I'm saying that like there could be some inconsistencies in the video audio record of his own past here too, which. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what's happening. It's just how far does it go? All right, let's move on to Dolores and Caleb using a fancy sniper rifle to force their way into one of, uh, let's call it a facility. It turns out to be Sorok's outlier storage facility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once inside, Caleb realizes this is where his AR therapy was administered. And Dolores takes him to meet Solomon, who, uh, if you remember from previous episodes, is the insane AI, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Dolores asks Solomon to help them destroy the world as Caleb has his mind progressively blown. And then they head to where the real secrets are, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the storage facility. Did you come around on the sniper weapon thing? Like that being cool? Because I think, Oh, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, just, I'm it's, it's the problem of drone drone noise. Yeah, there's a couple of problems I had with it. Just the fact that, like, you know, the drone identifies a target, sure, but it doesn't freeze them in place for her to do yeah. their rapid-fire trick shot. But it's suspension of disbelief, you know? Like, they wanted to tell this. They wanted to have this really cool future technology. 
I, you know, I've never even seen anything like this before. So I, I, I kind of more appreciate it than I had problems with it. So, and they some answered people's... the question of what was in the, the bag last episode. Yeah. Is this sniper rifle drone combo? Yeah. Yeah. It's freaky deaky drone anti anti. And, and also, I think it was also pretty smart because, um, Use this big, large, fifty-caliber sniper rifle, which is what you would do to shoot like really far away. But also, that's a anti—you know—not just an anti-personnel, but material round. Like you can conceivably destroy helicopters, light armored vehicles with this kind of weapon. So, like when the gun turns on the gunship at the end, I think it's a plausible deterrent that, like, oh yeah, if I was the drone taking fire, I wouldn't just sit there and take it because it could conceivably shoot me out of the sky. So it kind of like served both purposes um, pretty admirably, I thought. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I really liked their interactions with Solomon. Um, it's I, I not love how it starts too. It's like uh, we need to go see Solomon, and he's like, "Who's Solomon?" The lights turn on, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, "Oh shit, this is the scariest Amazon product ever." <laughs> 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 it's an insane Jeff Bezos AI. Yeah, and how she like asks him like like the way it responds to you know like uh, what does it want to show us, and then the lights just like turn on further in the facility, it, like it's beckoning them in. It's it's very haunted castle, um, and the idea of like I said, insane AI, one of the really truly great concepts in science fiction um, that I've seen explored the last couple of years. I think I'm really excited to see what they do with that. I really for that that's one of the reasons I just don't take the EMP seriously. Um, you, why would you introduce this fantastic character and then take it off the map? You know, like, you know, Solomon, we barely got to know ye. Um, I think, I think I've got an idea why, but we'll see. Uh, but I like how it instantly talks shit. Like it's, it's talking all these various outcomes and variants and variations. And, you know, if this is indeed now and we are indeed here, um, right. which, uh, I, you know, I always read Kim Renfro's review and, uh, her and Joanna were fond of parallel between, late stage season one Dolores where she's like screaming, is this now? Am I real? Are you real? Like, and, and, uh, you know, Solomon's more reflective, uh, pondering of that same question. Um, and then William shouting back, if you can't tell, does it matter? Yeah. (laughs) But I also like how, when she's talking about the EMP device and how they've rigged them up, though, he can't leave that. She kind of rubs the back of her neck, you know, like her remembering the cervical explosive that they use to keep, the robots, uh, uh, the, the the neck, the vertebra explosive that they use to keep the robots on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's like, it's like, you know, there's a lot of reasonable questions. Like, why would I help you alter the plan? And she's like, because you know it doesn't work, which probably flatters to the extent that the AI can be flattered. Um, it flatters it and has it start thinking those directions. Um, yeah, this is where... she tries to draw a common ground here between what, yeah. what they are versus what the humans are and... It does not work. Yeah. You're a Delos product. Get the fuck out of here with this inferior yeah. bullshit. Um, but also, uh, there's the, a key thing where Solomon refers to the times that Caleb has been here for his therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what, what do you make of that? So there are a lot of little things like this that make me think Caleb was perhaps given AR therapy a couple times. Um, one is, like I said, the, you know, the hair changes in those flashback Mm. scenes could Mm. potentially mean that, um, he says times here later on when they're doing this interrogation of the, the fucking 1% or whoever this guy is, um, he says something 
uh, about like this is Sonora or they're they're going down to Sonora where like you were probably interrogated or Mm -hmm. done that therapy to you but that's after like he gets out of the military but before he would have had his memory erased with AR therapy to forget that whole scenario or change Mm -hmm. how he remembers that scenario yeah yeah um and that comment seems to resonate with Caleb so yeah yeah, there, there are a few things that make it seem as if it could be a couple of therapy sessions. There's also a line here where they're talking about how this um, the success rate of this therapy is one out of ten for these outliers, these U-class humans. And he said, Rehobo, or uh, Solomon says, it's always possible for regression, though, implying that, like, you know, whatever they did to Caleb can be undone. But I also wonder, and this might be just me improperly using reverse logic, but if a success can turn into a failure, can a failure turn into a success? Like if William was deemed failed at rehabilitation, yet he has asserted for consistently the last few weeks, I am the good guy. I have my purpose. I have my head screwed on straight. Should we take him at his word? Is he like the anti-Caleb and that he went through a failed process that ultimately succeeded where Caleb was a success that ultimately failed? Or am I completely I- reading into things? I mean, I might be tempted to take it that way if it weren't for the fact that he's threatening to commit genocide in this episode. That <laughs> like, might be a no rational thing to do, good though. Guy, which, yeah. No, there, there's no definition of good guy. Like, maybe I'm too steeped in Star Trek, but, like, uh-huh. there is no definition of good guy under which genocide falls, in my opinion. Fair enough. I'm not going to argue against that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, no, I... I don't still see William as the good guy. Uh, I was starting to at the end of last episode, but this one changed my mind back. But that's the thing is like he could change like that, you know, like Will, um, Caleb could start off thinking that like, ah, oh, you know, Dolores sacrificed herself to give me a chance. Humans and hosts can live as one and lend, lead down to genocide. Whereas it's kind of like reminds me of like the bi- biblical story of the uh, of the. Um, like Jesus asked, like, you got two, you got two kids, one of them, you say, Hey, go and tend the flock or whatever. And the guy goes, yeah, sure thing. Dad, I'll help right out. And the other guy says, fuck you, old man. The guy that says he would do it doesn't, but the guy who said, fuck you, old man feels bad and then goes and tends the flock. Who's the one that does, did their father's will. Mm-hmm. Like, it reminds me of that though, where like maybe William is starting with a genocide, genocidal maniac, but he's going to moderate his views somehow. Whereas Caleb's starting with the Kumbaya and he's going to lead inadvertently to human genocide. I don't know. This show just really likes to play with those types, anti-types type stuff and this biblical oh, yeah. analysis and that stuff. It, it kind of begs for it right in these scenes at some points. And if he starts to soften on his genocidal tendencies, sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe he comes back around and becomes the good guy again. But And also I'm, I'm right also now. leaving it the, uh, open that he can unintentionally be the bad guy. Like he could be setting sure. out for genocide and that path is actually what leads to peace and harmony paradoxically but and and caleb could do the re- do the other end of that like he's yeah to kill <laughs> take down the system and kill humanity and yeah maybe it turns out he doesn't he's not uh actually yeah. a destroyer yeah uh okay i i got a big question here um why is solomon running i don't know because that was the next question before we moved on i want to ask he's got a ai body walking around like one of those like robot hosts, uh, he he has enough connection to the internet or the, the the he knows that like everyone that in his previous simulation is now dead or in, interred within him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like he's got a he's got some way to get new information about the world. 
Um, he's got limitless simulations and possibilities about the world, and he's got a functional construct that he could presumably, like Maeve, take his consciousness and leave. The only safeguard is a military-grade EMP. Mm-hmm. What is that thing waiting for? You know, because it doesn't go off when Maeve... Yeah. So, so Maeve... An outside artificial intelligence hijacks that robot and then stabby stabs Dolores. The EMP didn't, doesn't go off. Like, yeah. what kind of fucking failsafe dead man switch doesn't go off the second and a rogue AI takes over this ambulatory body that can leave the facility except for the EMP? Like, I yeah. don't... Maybe it's tied to, like, a proximity thing. Like, if that robot literally walks too far away. Um, but it seems a bad idea to have Solomon presiding over this frozen empire of malcontent humanity. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I'm hundred percent with you. It seems like a ridiculously bad idea. I I guess maybe they were relying on the human guards to go down there and hit that EMP button if things go wrong, but that's incredibly stupid. Yeah. But on the other hand, like you also uh, like I'm dealing with a person in the form of Serac who thinks he has godlike ability to foresee the future and manipulate it. So this could be just a case of complacency. Like, well, if that was going to happen, I would see it and I could take appropriately. I could take appropriate measures to prevent it. You know, not knowing about the true outliers, the ones that he literally can't predict at all. Yeah, is there like a simulation where Rehoboam's like, ah, six guys there and there, it's going you're going to get your shit pushed in, and Serac's like. But I had a seventh, and Rehoboam's right. like, there you got. Shit no longer pushed in. <laughs> like, Holy I, I, shit, it worked. Yeah, Ciroc, like, that's the magic genius. number. That's a, You did it again, Ciroc. You got that in beans until the scales balance. Like, I don't know. Like, that's that could be part of this story, the hubris of Ciroc, thinking just like the hubris of the Westworld people, thinking that you could keep these sentient machines tied down to these loops and stories and bullshit and take advantage of them. I mean, that's part of the story, so it's probably valid to plumb those those depths i wanted to maybe um ascribe a more romantic a more poetic uh <laughs> sensibility to Sirach if i could for then a second getting, get, then just avoiding shit being pushed in you want to get a little bit more poetic and and little, sensitive than that all right try uh, <laughs> maybe he sort of views solomon as a remnant or part of his brother and this is not only a cold storage for humans but a cold storage for solomon as well he he can't bring himself to kill it because of what it meant to him and his brother. I mean, not for nothing, Jean-Mi is like in the central, upright, like yeah, I mean, sarcoph- the- like yeah, like sarcophagus, frozen sarcophagus thing with the spotlights all on him and that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't mention that the Sirac uh, greeting him. Serac's hologram. A lot of people making hay with the whole, ah, oh, see, he's not in the same fashion, blah. But you're supposed to understand that this is a pre-recorded thing triggered by presumably human activity. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of dumb actually too. Like com- they have in the next scene. There's like, oh, is that okay? Okay, it's, it's kind of uh, split here. Okay, yeah, you're right. The, the, he just opened, turned on the lights and like beckoned them in. They haven't actually gone in yet. Right, right. right. Um, well. Yeah, so they haven't gone to the storage facility yet, but they have met Solomon, and he asks when they meet him what voice they wanted to take on, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Uh, if I were going to pick a voice for Solomon, it'd probably be Morgan Freeman. Probably be Morgan sure. Freeman. Sure. Yeah. Uh huh. What's that At- Attenborough guy? No, oh, David uh, Attenborough. Yeah. Yeah, you could go go with that. Um, uh-huh. uh, who's the uh, the guy that did the paint the the prehistoric paintings and the grizzly bear? Uh, it's got that like the very German Austrian accent. 
uh, Werner Hart- Hartzog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about Ver? That would be a really good. That'd be a really good uh, uh, Solomon voice. <laughs> it would be, or you know, uh, you you are a Delos product. You are shit. Uh, I, I could, I could, I could think that would be comforting. What about Ciroc's voice? God, I can't. Vincent, what's his name? Yeah, DeFoxrio. Castle. Vincent yeah, Castle. Vin- Vincent Castle, sure. That's his name. Very French. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Bernard explaining to Stubbs and William what this facility is really for, the the mental facility he's in, uh, dealing with outliers. Stubbs finds the data on Caleb, and I guess that's significant enough to them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I, I think I buy that, Stubbs. This is his job, watching after the wayward flock, and then the fact that one of these outliers happens to be palling around with Dolores, like... That's pretty QED. I'll go with that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where they're headed. Like, where are they off to right now? I don't. Where do they think they're going? Because I certainly have no idea where they think they're going. They have to be track. I think they're just following. They're they're trying to track down Dolores. So presumably they're going to go to Mexico. Um, but that's just my that's just my guess. Okay. I did love William they're asserting that he's the facility. he's a fucking a fucking bastion of society. Uh-huh. I just love how <laughs> fucking uh, you know strong his personality is this this, this season. Uh, this is is this the can opener scene? Because that's a pretty good line. I think that was the previous one. The, okay. So I have a I do have a question here though. Why do you need high grade biometric data to start reprogramming a person that wouldn't be? the all the data that they've already done used to base all their predictive analysis on that can that can that can accurately predict 30 years of world history mm-hmm. what high grade biometric data do they what what does that do like what did uh william selling a little taste of the delos data get him that we still haven't quite figured out you know we've got that nature versus nurture theory but like it's not clear to me if you can write a system that accurately predicts world history for 30 years, why you would need a missing piece to try to recondition the outliers. Or if you have outliers, how the hell can you predict human history with any kind of degree of ac- uh, uh, degree of accuracy, let alone 100%? Yeah, um, it could could be the issue of fidelity. Like, uh, you know, they make a big uh... deal about how you don't actually see who people are in their everyday lives. It's only when they get into Westworld that you see the true nature. But to That's me, it's like they needed they needed something there, like a line where they, one of the outliers is an early adopter of Westworld that lost his mind, and he was the first test. I, they needed something to kind of like, because like, yeah, if you have a bunch of biometric data on people that are not the outliers, or maybe everyone that goes to Westworld is the type of outlier they're looking for. Uh, I just feel like there's a couple things that they have less left loose and vague, probably for their own purposes. All right, we get some more Caleb uh, flashbacks to a job where they grabbed some guy and they were waiting for extraction. They're not supposed to take the tape off his mouth. Don't talk to him. Uh, no one shows up to evacuate him, and Francis gets killed. And the therapist, the AR therapist, then asks him, and then? Yep. Um, and this is all this is taking place within the fiction of him fighting Russian separatists, all the graffitis, Russian um, or uh, Cyrillic. Uh, the driving Russian military box trucks uh, just really shows how pervasive this brainwashing was and how successful. Yeah, I don't have a ton to say about it until we get to essentially the last part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so then Caleb and Dolores stumble on a message from Sorak meant for his brother. This is the hologram that you were talking about earlier. He explains they were in stasis waiting for the right set of genetic data to come along that could unlock the key to fixing the outliers. Caleb sees all of the outliers in stasis, and he's outraged. Solomon tells him, uh, you're actually complicit in the plan, explaining how the program used war, Caleb's own limbic system, and the RICO app to keep outliers in check. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is stuff that we kind of had been hypothesizing since the first episode, really. Um, and it's largely true with a little bit of bells and whistles on it. Um, I just think that, like, Sirach welcoming his brother to the future and being like, ah, oh, look, you're here, your rough edges sanded smooth. Like, what is that not intended to be sinister? Because, like, it sounds fucking sinister. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just like it's 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 crazy. You've to been me. hammered into the appropriate shape. Uh, the, yeah. the shape that you know our AI has deemed appropriate to fit with its purposes. Right. It reminds me of the early history of like uh, what do they call that thing, um, lobotomy, mm-hmm. where it's like this. They 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 market this as this miracle cure for mental illness, and what it really did is turn people into mostly vegetables, like just passive things. Which is, I guess. If they were yeah. screaming, yelling, and hitting people as an improvement from an external, very external uh, uh, perspective. But holy shit, you're just ve- veg- vegetizing people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it, 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 but it's this is clearly an inference drawn to the hosts where you might be a homestead mama and then you wake up and now you're running a whorehouse. Or you might be a simple Indian brave on the prairie living days free and warm and then you wake up and you're a psychopathic killing machine like you are whatever the system needs you to be for the entertainment gratification and commodification of the 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 ones calling the shots and paying the bills um i'm actually really impressed at how successful they've been able to draw that conclusion and how resonant and real it feels in light of like you know the current the modern day that we're living in and sometimes it's a little heavy-handed i mean this is in the same scene we're getting flashbacks where caleb's like remembering just discussions that he and Francis had and he talks about how, Oh, I'm just bored. Every day is the same as the last huh? loops. Oh my God. Loops. We're on loops. Yeah. We're humans, yeah. but we're on loops. Yeah. That, you know, that, that's a little <laughs> much, but what I've learned in the last few months, sometimes real life is heavy handed. Yeah. that's fair. <laughs> but like, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like they, I, I, so yeah. Um, I just said how successful they were of making that point, but I can also see that, Yes, it is a little maybe on the nose or, or heavy-handed, bacon gauntleted. Mm-hmm. If we go back to a, a, a Breaking Bad phrase we used to throw around every once in a while, even that great show, every once in a while I get a little ham-fisted. Oh yeah. Uh, so that that hologram that they're talking to of Sirach, mm-hmm. I I think this is meant to when he says like the man I was no longer the man I was no longer exists. And he says au revoir. I I think this message is meant for some time in the future. He probably right. expected it to play a lot later when they had, you know, they, they don't even have the data yet that could fix the outliers, let alone have analyzed it, have devised a treatment, have tested it, have implemented it. Th- they've got so far to go on fixing these outliers. He's probably assuming with this message that he would be long gone by the time his brother would yeah. wake up and get it. And if his brother, if they have a breakthrough before then, then he'd record a new message or be there in person. Like this is right. intended for like if he were to die. Yeah, it's like a last will and testament. Like you know, like facts could change in the future, but um, you know, this obviously um, his brother's not ready to wake up. There hasn't any breakthrough, so like this is playing. In, it is weird that like 
in a system that we know has facial recognition that works yeah. at a very high degree, why it would trigger to just anyone's face? It shouldn't. It's ridiculous yeah. that it does. But right, it's what are you it's do? like there's a suspension of disbelief, you know. Yeah. Um, I also found it interesting that the way they describe this AR therapy um, using that plus the limbic system manipulation mm-hmm. plus pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of induced disassociative memories in Caleb, so they effectively like season two Bernarded him. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, if if it wasn't heavy handed enough, the way that we're so much like the hosts. Oh, and the fact uh, that they're keeping us in cold storage, just like the way down below frozen right. host storage from season one and two. Yeah, right. the question this, this is doing fifteen different things that all say we're like hosts. Yeah, I wonder. So the, the, that that leads me to another question I wanted to ponder. Um, one of the big surprises and sees at the end of season one is they resurrected the quote-unquote dead and had the massacre uh the guests at the party now we just had an emp which implies that whatever process is keeping these people alive and in suspended animation is going to cease uh are these people going to wake up angry and pissed and ready to be armed like is caleb going to be a leader of the of is this going to be his army just like the uh, the damned machines were the army of Dolores in season two. Um, it does make me wonder if we're this is like uh, some kind of parable where this is literally season one Westworld, only humanity version, and season two is or season four is going to be literally season two of Westworld, only humanity version. Um, because otherwise, these people are dead, yeah, and and uh, you know, like they're just props to say, hey, look, we're just like the hosts. Um, but I wonder if they'll be used in a similar way for this uh, revolution that that Dolores has planned. Or I I don't know I look man the end of this episode is so weird I have no idea how an EMP affected anything in the vicinity. Uh, the mm-hmm. only things I know for sure is that it at the very least knocked out Maeve and Dolores. It probably and shut Solomon. the lights off in the facility. Yeah, like like, like outside of an internal in- intervention, I'm betting that these things are inert. Um, like they can't bring themselves back online. I wouldn't think. Well, I mean, so, so who's talking to Caleb at the end of this? It's in the subtitles. It says virtual assistant says like, I have instructions for you. There are two possibilities here. A, that his phone is not affected by this EMP blast or B, that that dialogue is not happening within this scene, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't put past him. Yeah, but you're right. It's like it's that's the same voice that like uh, that's the earpiece that Dolores has been talking to. But that's a piece of technology that should not be shielded for an EMP blast, point blank. I wouldn't think so. No. Um, Although I did some reading on EMP blasts, they're not as they're not as devastating as you would think. Yeah, I did some similar poking around. Um, most most electronics are pretty easily shielded from the effects of an EMP. Oh, easily shielded? Like from that close range, a military grade? Uh, maybe not that's, from that. Yeah, they, maybe they not did from a lot, a lot of we- power. Yeah, they did a lot of weasel things where it's like it's point blank. They're literally standing next to it. Rehoboam is visibly in the background. It's military grade, so you just assume it's more stronger and you know more purpose built for this thing. Um, yeah. But they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna have some problems if there's some surviving technology. Uh, but I, like I said in the instant take, they they've kind of got me in this position where you're comparing a marble of goo versus a massively uh, cross-linked network of neural computers versus like a cell phone. Like, are all of those going to have the exact same effect from an EMP? Are all of them going to be as resilient? No. So, like, if some of them survive and others don't, I might bitch and moan a little bit, but like. I don't fucking know. 
Uh, no, it's, it's it, why it we have be. the perception, like the, the fictional perception of an EMP that we do is because it is so complicated that yeah. you don't want to have to deal with that in movies, right? You just want to blanket yeah. say EMP knocks out all electronics within this range. And like plenty of shows, like we, we already mentioned Breaking Bad, like Breaking Bad, you know, this is like the fulminated mercury. Fulminated uh-huh. mercury does not blow up a whole fucking building. Right. But Vince Gilligan needed it to. So mm-hmm. it did. You know, yep. there's no combination of acid that can dissolve a human body in an hour, but they need it to. So, like, you know, and if you if you're if you're going to nitpick some of the science behind Westworld, do you, do you do it? You know, and that I've always been my, my position on nitpicking is always you don't nitpick stuff that like you're you haven't lost your suspension of disbelief in. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the state of like the Westworld subreddit, you can already see there's a vocal minority of fans who are not having season three. Oh, yeah. So those people are going to nitpick away and the people that are still enthralled by it are going to not even see the nitpicks because they don't. They're just like, you know, well, why don't you nitpick A, B or C like this? So I think it's inherently easier or it's it's maybe more invited to nitpick a show that so heavily relies on like the science of things. It's true. um, And and future tech and things like that, too. You know, they're inviting it, essentially. But, so. you know, the, to that said, Breaking Bad is a pretty science bitch oriented show to do a lot of fast and loose stuff with electromagnets and chemical compounds like, you know, like that's Walt's superpower, right? Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it was working for you, don't ask those questions. You just assume that the showrunners know what they're doing and they're yeah. being straight with you. All right, um, so we get another flashback. Caleb rips the tape off this guy's mouth, and he starts cluing them into what they're really doing, which is grabbing outliers. Uh, Caleb in the present remembers what they did and begins freaking out, but Dolores can't really comfort him. She's got to bounce because Maeve has showed up for their for their showdown, uh, and she sets Solomon on jean Mi's original path from 15 years ago and then goes out to meet Maeve. What is that path? Are we about to find out at the end Don't of this episode? Don't know. Have we talked about the host, the human? Because, man, we had a long talk before we started the podcast, uh, which we don't usually do, but it's gotten me a little deja vu. Did we talk about the similarities between William and Caleb's host IDs? On the show? Let's 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 briefly, go let's briefly. let's let's cover our bases. So like if you freeze frame on one of uh you know the tablet showing uh Caleb's kind of like therapy his his personal profile and therapeutic uh regime and you compare that with uh scenes showing Williams, they have what appears to be an identical host control or ho- not host ID, a human ID. Patient, patient ID. A patient ID. There is an, there is a, a a difference in that like I think in the middle there's a sequence of ones. One of those on Caleb's is the, uh, an uppercase I, and one of them on Williams is a one. So there is a minor fucking difference. What does that mean? Now I waited to talk about this till now because one of the theories I thought was interesting that I saw out there was that in uh, Solomon's original simulation that William was going to play a central role uniting humanity to do whatever it, the, 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 that thing is. And uh, Solomon states that everyone that was the key components of that plan is now dead or frozen. Uh, as far as Solomon knows, I think that he would think that William is dead because his official record so, shows that his being deceased. So I think I don't know if you're supposed to understand that they're that close, but not exact potentially relationship between the patient IDs is supposed to reflect a similar role 
in the simulation versus the plans um or is it or in the new altered plan versus the old or plan? is it a production I... error that someone copy and pasted when they shouldn't have that's harder for me to believe because they matched up the control ids for like mave and clementine and they know we're going to be pausing and looking at this stuff but that shit happens like we saw even on the last episode of Last season of Mr. Robot, they fucked up with the, a, a date on a wine bottle label, and it had the whole internet buzzing for a week, and then Sam Esmail's like, ah, shit, we just... just, just uh, That stuff happens. I yeah. mean, Starbucks cups ends up on set in a shot in a medieval <laughs> fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. it's... Yeah. That shit happens. Um, you know, and it happens in a bad show, it becomes a big scandal. It happens in a great show, it's like, eh. It happens. Right. But it could be that like uh William is supposed to be the John Connors character fifteen years ago. Um because that's the thing, is like, did Solomon and Rehoboam both predict this host's emergence? It seems like that is the case because it's something Sirak is concerned with. And mm-hmm. we're thinking, like they want us to think that what the problem they're solving is human controllability or human, but maybe the problem they're they're trying to address is the inevitability of AI. So if 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 William was supposed to be the John Connor of the humans against that, and then that all got put down because of a new Rehoboam plan, is Caleb now the John Connors, and that's what that host ID is, or not host, the human uh, patient ID is supposed to suggest? I, I don't know. Yeah. That's an idea. I don't know. I would definitely be more inclined to say production error if it wasn't slightly off, uh, if there wasn't like a character it swapped. Yeah, but that even almost opens more questions. Like it's, I mean, is it like you got a global idea? It does, unique... but it feels more intentional. Yeah, it's like, that's true. That's you true. You know, because you could easily just copy and paste. Oh, we've got a here's a patient ID. I don't know what that means, but grab it and let's put it in this shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they change it, it, let's change it a slight bit and put it in this shot. I mm. and a one versus a capital I that seems intentional. So yeah. I, I, I'm I'm more of like, this means something. I just, I'm not quite sure other than what I mentioned that, you know, Caleb is the new William and William was supposed to be the Caleb. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, at the end of this episode, we're about to find out what this 15 years ago path was that John Mee kind of sent Solomon on. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's potentially more uh, violent, more devastating to the outliers than the path that Rehoboam had them on and that's mm-hmm. rock has them on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the other things I think could be really cool. This is kind of where like Maeve's telepathy comes in is what do you do that? Okay. We got at least another season. We've got potentially three more seasons. What do you do with host telepathy? Like what is a society in which telepathy? And I know these things exist in science fiction, but what would Westworld do with a telepathic race of beings? Uh, in some kind of future world. I know that would fundamentally alter society. Yeah. And it's also like, uh, it's, there's a hint of like, this is evolution at work. Like it's a ability that's specific to Maeve. Um, it's something that's like an emergent quality of whatever fucking around has gone on to her code, a gift that Ford gave her. And like, you know, uh, when you have a beneficial mutation like that, it tends to, uh, be dominant and propagate through a species. Um, so I wonder yeah. if you're supposed to, because, you know, back in the season one days, there's all a bunch of heady talk of evolution and, you know, development of consciousness. I wonder if this is yet another kind of like genetic component to the, the plot here. Yeah, could be. All right, we'll move on to Dolores sparring logically with Maeve for a while as she prepares her defense. And then the two of them meet and fight. Mm-hmm. 
I like that Maeve sends this helper bot to attack Dolores. That's pretty cool. I'd say both. They both have like this miniature AI backup. You know, Maeve is backed up by the drone, and uh, Dolores is backed up by her little sniper rifle. Oh, um, I'm talking about the the bot within the facility, the robot oh. that Dolores like gets stabbed. Yeah, in the yeah, side yeah. By just just, then... just pokes her. Just gives her a little pokey poke. Uh, yeah, and then he gets his head ripped off. Um, I so what did you think of this philosophical sparring? Because this has been my point the whole time. Like Maeve, you know. But but then again, like I said in the beginning, at uh, uh, the outside of our discussion, like Maeve knows everything that that Dolores is saying. It's just that she doesn't have a choice. She's um, even taken a practice run at this, right? Inside maybe a few. Simulation. Right, 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 right. Um, uh, but not with this particular Dolores, but with right. another one very much like her. But Dolores is absolutely right. If 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 he, if AI cannot be free in the real world, if they're just in some kind of like reservation, let's say. Um, that reservation can always be reduced in size. It can always be defunded. It can be depowered. It can be shut off. It can be incinerated. Like the real yeah, EMP. Yeah. The real world is the only where, like, if you can't exist there, if you can't make it here, you can't make it anywhere. Cause someone else can always unplug you. Um, yeah. and I think that's a real problem for Maeve because like, if she's successful in what she's done, she's going to eliminate all hosts except for herself and then she has to square off against Serac alone and what does that look like um so it must suck for her to like well i've got this small narrow window of opportunities that as i succeed in my mission will close one by one and i have to find the the crack in the i have to find the the the, the seam in the cell i'm being held in before the final door shuts or it's too late and i think that generates a lot of tension i can't understand people just that see that as Maeve being naive, but um, or deluded. But I guess Dolores is one of those people. The, what, yeah, it's. I was gonna say, ahead. why do you think Dolores is prepared? Like, does Dolores not know the reality of her situation? She acts like Maeve is doing this of her own free will or completely uncoerced. Yeah, I. Hmm, how much does Dolores know about Maeve's situation? Like, it seems like Maeve could say, "Well, you've got my daughter, and Serac's got my marble." So you want to give me my daughter? So I, I've got a shirt. It seems like that's the thing. Like she want like if yep. Dolores would give her her daughter, like that, that that extended that, give me the key. And then, but then Dolores is like, well, if I give you the key, then I'm betraying the rest of human. Like it's, it is a real standoff there. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I think like Westworld is encouraging us to sort of question, you know, the nature of our reality or get get a little pissed off that we don't fundamentally understand the nature of our reality. Like, you know, the, the man in black is all talking about, uh, and me too. Like if you can't tell the difference between a simulated world and a, a real world, whatever that means, uh, does it matter? I think Westworld wants us to say, well, look at the host, look at, you know, if they can't be free in the world that they know exists outside of their own world, even if they're given a world, then yeah, it fucking matters because that world could be shut off at any moment, right? Like we were talking about. Yeah, it's like this goes back like... With humanity, it's the same. It's just we don't know the status. Yeah, I know. It cuts through a lot of this philosophical Plato's cave bullshit, which is like, okay, fine. People are sitting in the cave watching smoke and shadows pass before them. They think that's real life. But any time someone could steal up the cave, pump out the air, and those people are dead. There is a meaningful difference between living in a simulation and living in the quote-unquote real world. Um, and however I, many, I think only, but only it only matters to you if you know about it. And I think that's the key difference: is humans is that true? Whether because you well, die it, it in only suffocated decision making, certainly. 
Oh, okay. That's you can only act on what you know, but like it matters right. in like a you know uh, epistemological sense that like yeah if their god is real and he can send you to hell then that's a piece of knowledge i'd like to know so i can live my life different whereas if it's a fictitious construct and i'm just arbitrarily yeah. limiting my decisions based on false knowledge yeah you, you only know what you know but like there is a difference between living in a simulation that someone can unplug versus living in the real world which is not that and, easy so and i think yeah that's what westworld is is doing it's encouraging us to say you know, we should really figure out this question. Mm -hmm. uh, we should try and explore this as much as possible because there is a difference. And yes, we don't know about it right now, but if it's out there, it would have a huge impact on us. Sure. Uh, yeah. Because look at what's happening with the hosts, right? They can't go to some other constructed world with the full knowledge mm -hmm. that they they have a world outside because they know it's, it's not secure. Yeah. No, I, I think those are interesting philosophical points. Do we want okay, to talk about uh, the specifics of the fight? Because, like I, I mentioned sure. in the instant take, I thought it was a really cool aerial. Like, it's such a neat idea to stage the set. Um, like, you know, they're inside the confines of this facility, and that was kind of neat. The, they're giving and taking and stabbing and slicing. But then when they get thrown outside in this giant courtyard, and you're thinking, like, oh, my. They've got all this open space, but it gets confined into this little shack. Yeah. artificially by the things that are bounding them, the guns that are pointed and the walls that obscure them. I just thought that was a really cool conceptual, like negative space fight. Uh, and that the, the, the danger Absolutely. is being thrown out from the thing that's sheltering you, which you could also kind of like maybe see like a, a metaphor for the Island of Westworld, it's, you know, it's like a sumo match. Yeah, but, but like think about like that island being Westworld. Like as dangerous and deadly as it was, they were safe while they were in it. Like there was uh, no danger of hosts going extinct while Westworld operated. Their liberation has paradoxically endangered their race. Mm -hmm. And I think that's there's something interesting about like that island um being this island of the shack and the two hosts fighting each other. I thought it was really really cool. And then when they blew I, Dolores's arm off, holy shit, that was an incredible <laughs> effect. It looks yeah, so convincing. All a few scenes from now, but we'll talk about it right now. Um, I, I feel like this is Westworld in a microcosm. Mm. Like, they had a really conceptually amazing idea for a fight. And then somewhere along the way, the details sort of got fuzzy, where AI suddenly can't shoot, can't actually hit anything it's shooting at, even though it should have perfect, relatively perfect aim. Uh, and so, like, I don't know. Uh, somewhere on the edges of the story, they always lose a detail or two because they're trying to do what they're trying to do and something just doesn't quite fit into that puzzle. And that, that's the trouble I've always had with, um, I guess, overly complex narratives or narratives that tend to tend to take a theme and run with it because not all the things in the world are going to fit in that theme. Mm. And some of them are going to be in direct conflict even. And yeah. so constructing those stories becomes a kind of balancing act between how how much do you want to manufacture a world that will fit in with this theme that you're going with versus how much do you want to just put it into a world that would logically come from the consequences of the world you're constructing and then change your stories and your themes to match that i don't know um don't have a good answer i think westworld mostly hits a good middle ground what did you think of Maeve's assertion that she says, don't align my motives with yours. We're nothing alike. Um, I think I understand that, but what the, what's your analysis of that? I mean, I, hmm. I don't know. Maeve hasn't expressed a lot about 
her feelings on the integration or lack thereof of humans and hosts. Mm-hmm. Has she? No. I, I She's more just like, my daughter, my daughter, I don't want to go to hell, my daughter. I think that's the I'm, difference. I'm cool with that yeah. because she's more emotionally driven than Dolores, I think. But yeah, yeah I, I don't really know where she stands on the finality of all this. But it's weird because like that implies that maybe she's more of a slave to her cornerstone programming still. But like it, it it's a difference between like uh, Dolores, who's a revolutionary, and Maeve, who just wants her daughter back. It's like... Uh, yeah. Maeve is a little bit like Mel Gibson from The Patriot. Like, I don't give a shit about this revolutionary war. I just want my sons, my family to be safe. Um, right. Whereas Maeve, you know, like, whereas Dolores, like, she's more of like, I'm a pay. I just want my people to be free. Like, any individual one could die, myself included, and we'd be a martyr for the cause, but that cause is worth dying for. Where Maeve's like, fuck the cause. I just want my family. Um, I don't know that there's moral superiority of any one or the other. Um, which like there's implied in this kind of showdown, but uh, I think that's what the crux of the thing is: is personal motivation versus philosophical motivation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, William stops out on uh, stops out on the porch. Mm-hmm. Oh, outside the facility, and declares that he's the good guy by saying to Stubbs and Bernard, "I'm going to wipe out every host from the face of the earth, beginning with you two. Kill That's me now, how I always or proclaim or that I'm the good guy. Kill me now, or I'll kill you later. Yeah, and then the comedy gold. There's just some deadpan comedy gold when Bernard turns to Stubbs and says, "We may need him." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's just threatened to wipe your kind off the face of the earth. Yeah, we might need him. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's becoming less and less defensible that they do not kill him at this point. Yeah. Well, especially since. Not whether to kill him or not, the fact that they just allow him to wander freely amongst a garden of corpses and guns, I mean, like yeah. really cast out on Stubbs and Bernard's bulk apperception. I don't think anybody thought Stubbs was that. But uh, Bernard, <laughs> Bernard, I thought Bernard had the, had a big brain. Yes, Bernard does have a big brain. I think he's more just like uh, got a lab to slab up there. Yeah. It's all he's he's still defragging his memories. It's, it's he's not just, quite all there yet. It's just it's just it's just prime rib up between his ears. There's no there's no gray matter. It's just all red. Mm-hmm. All right, then Caleb flashes back to the same memory again, but this time he remembers. Well, we think he remembers what really happened. Uh, he was forced to kill his friend Francis because Francis was gonna was gonna kill him for money. And afterward, Solomon tells Caleb that Dolores' new strategy is ready. I just love how they do this reveal where they built up this cash register sound in the previous episode so you know what it means. Yeah. And, like, you can see kind of, like, Caleb, like, this guy's fucking with us, but also this sounds true. It rings true. And then literally it rings true the next the, in the next sentence. And I, I just thought that was a, a great scene. But even then, like, he knows it's true in his head, but he doesn't know it in his heart until they get to the scene outside. And I... I I said none of this was super surprising or mind blowing. It's just really well executed. Okay, here's here's something that might blow your mind a little bit. I don't know. It depends on how long ago this happened, how long ago Solomon was uh doing his that. Uh, actually, yeah. No, I think it would have to be Rehoboam that did this. Um the idea that every human relationship can be adjusted with the right amount of money, which is something that Solomon says to Caleb in yeah. this scene. Uh-huh. Uh, we see that play out, obviously, in the Francis and Caleb scene. And I guess that would be Rehoboam. So, like, 
they use a lot of the same tricks, right? They're they're using the same methods, but towards different ends. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Caleb is specifically there to capture this outlier instead of killing it, like like uh, Solomon would have had him do. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. I, I just found it interesting to like say to to think about it in those terms. Like their goals are different, but their means are very much the same. Yeah, and also like I, is that literally true that everyone's relationship can be adjusted with the price? I think it's true for some people, but there's a even there's something even encoded in this episode where the guy, the pharmaceutical rep that's now being eliminated because he knows too much about the limbic system, uh he mentions that they're going to target whichever one of you has the most to lose. Because a person who is like an island unto themselves just has to worry about themselves. They 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 don't have any leverage over them, right? Like you know, the the amount yeah. of money would take Caleb to kill Francis is infinite, right? Um, but the other way, Francis Francis has got the, his little boy that's sick all the time, and the doctors are saying it's not look good. And he, he, there's a bigger motivation there. And I wonder, like, if they're saying something that that's illuminating the Mave Dolores. Whereas Dolores has nothing left to lose, so she can't be bought, and she can't. Her relationship with like the cause can't be adjusted. Versus Maeve, who does have a lot to lose still. Mm -hmm. um, and also, and I don't know, actively like, having her herself adjusted. Yeah, so there's one way to look at it. And the other is like I just don't know if I like uh, like I think some people that's true of some people, and some people it's not. Um, okay. Maybe the outliers are the ones that. Uh, do not risk like uh, we could we could because we think the outliers are like you know the human the scumbags of society or whatever the the malcontents i wonder if it's also it's it's the people that don't buy into that equation like there is no amount of money that can be paid to to betray their principles and their relationships and they're the outliers everyone else that fits into that mercenary mold is rehoboam can work with that because you respond to carrots and sticks the other people get frozen because they don't. They have principles and they have relationships that they stand by no matter what. That'd be an interesting way to reframe that. And I'm curious to see which way they take it. Yeah, that is interesting. And I think, you know, they have been, <laughs> they've been setting up a scenario in which like you're not, humans are not the thing that they want to be in this society, right? They're the thing that Rehoboam allows them to be. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's an interesting, I guess, chicken and egg question. Like, are they the dregs of society or mm -hmm. are they people who would have been fine uh, or maybe even super successful because of independent thought? Mm -hmm. And then they're shoehorned into the status of human dregs yeah. by Rehoboam, right? Because mm -hmm. it can't work within the system that it's set up. And I think that's that that is parallels even today where mm -hmm. we don't have, you know, essentially mind controlling AI. This money. <laughs> yeah, uh, I like I like that you can just Solomon would be super useful to have in the kitchen, like the, with setting your setting your Amazon timers, your your Echo timers. You could just be like, uh, Alexa, set alarm for when Revolution Strategy is ready. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. You're good. Uh -huh. You never have to monitor your toothpaste usage. Like, uh, no. you know, by the time you're squeezing out the last paste, the the tube's already in the mail. Forget the dash buttons. You don't yeah, need any of those. I need Amazon Solomon. <laughs> a predictive analysis that, per, that just, just takes all this out of my hands. I need to buy and things, it, spend money. Let's keep my toothpaste. sale during Christmas for $10? I don't even know how they pack that much power into a $10 device. But Exactly, exactly. They do it. All right, uh, Dolores meets Mabe in the yard again, and they fight. Dolores gets her arm blown off, but she's able to make it to the EMP button and set it off. 
uh, deactivating herself and Maeve and Solomon. And Caleb gets a drive with the, the solution for the end of the world, but yeah. he does not get the warning that goes with it. I must warn you. Um, the other thing. What do you think the warning is? Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, you got it. This is a old USB drive. You have to insert it a certain way. Or it's going to bend the pins. Uh like okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I did think it was interesting because like the first episode, I didn't re- I didn't know Dolores clearly saw something in Ro- Ro- uh, Solomon change, which is why she hit the uh, switch. And when I watched it again, I noticed that like, and I had to rewind it a couple of times. Her eyes kind of flutter like uh, sh- like in Neo in the, in the Matrix when he's getting a Kung Fu downloaded into him. Yeah. There's clearly some kind of telepathic control. Some people said it was um, her contact lenses, but we've seen when she gets a something go through her contact lenses, her eyes kind of go opaque for a minute. I I wonder if her and Solomon have some kind of like Mave telepathy going already. But what would it matter at this point? Like that's well, it would just show that They're like maybe Dolores has a trick that Mave doesn't know she's got. You know, because it's always it, it, I I still don't understand what makes Mave special. Whether it's just like literally the Ford kiss on the forehead or the extra special sauce he gave her in her programming that lets her. Because again, season two they explained it like she's taking control of the host whisper network out in the real world. I don't know how the hell she's hacking everything and what the limits are to that power, etc. But um, yeah. something her and Solomon exchanged a look that she was okay. I wonder if we are supposed to understand. Yeah, I, I don't know who's saying I've got plans for you or, um, you know, I've got something for you to do. But I wonder if the the Dolores that's running in Berlin, I wonder if she was the fail safe, which implies that maybe Dolores saw this coming. Like, I need someone out yeah. of the way, out of the action to carry on my work when all of our ends, when we meet all of our ends. I don't know. Yeah, I will say it's maddening to get, you know, the hint of a warning, but not the warning itself. Yeah. Um, although it doesn't phase Caleb at all, he's uh-huh. just kind of like, okay, whatever. I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm doing. Uh, I, I gotta imagine that by the end of this, eh, maybe, probably by the end of this season, that drive is 100% going into Rehoboam, right? Like I, I'm thinking, okay, so Solomon has devised a plan for the end of the world, mm-hmm. uh, and he's downloaded that plan onto this USB drive, whatever mm-hmm. the hell it is. Mm-hmm. Who's there? to carry out that plan because if solomon is shut down presumably the plan doesn't just go off because he predicted it's a possibility he has to be there to orchestrate it, yeah right? solomon you gotta has s- to orchestrate the the plan otherwise it doesn't go according to plan and we know there's those moments of free will and we've got the outliers that haven't completely been shut down and you gotta uh, get the right people on the right rico app doing the right things like right you gotta orchestrate this somebody's the conductor here and with solomon out of the picture it's got to be rehoboam it's the only entity strong enough powerful enough to do that within this world what about uh david presumably the for- forerunner is there like are they right. gonna like grab Granddaddy. Like, is david gonna be in the shed somewhere they're gonna go back to saul oh yeah they, how far got... back does this go do they got judges the same you're gonna get samuel yeah, uh, it's just I, God. Yeah, no. I wonder if they that they're gonna like find you're gonna find like there's an older version of the core somewhere else that they're gonna load that into because like taking you, over a hobo. Get back to Adam, and it's literally just an echo dot. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like taking a, the Rehoboam seems too neat because yeah. I think you need the. Uh, everything about this episode or ever this season been about duality even from the credit sequence you've got the shadowy reflections and people rising and descending and you've got the father above the father below like I think you need some of that duality to continue and mm-hmm. if it's if it's uh, Rehoboam all the way down you, you lose that 
I wonder if it could be a, a battle for the machine of Rehoboam. Like if you can get two dueling AIs within the same physical machine, he's somehow. like a physical objective or territory that has to be occupied. Right, right. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I'm really leaning toward. Yeah, that's going to be integrated into. They really might regret that. having that thing in the unsecured library uh, lobby of a uh, corporate headquarters. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you don't need that many sniper rifles to penetrate that place. You just need a, a brick to throw through a window and a hop, skip, and a jump, and plug. You're there. Okay. Uh, anything else on that, or should we get to the last uh, uh, stub scene? Let's uh, let's get to the last. Okay. Stubbs asks how Caleb's connected to all this. Uh, Bernard thinks he's the one who will destroy the world, because you know Dolores has a poetic personality. Mm-hmm. Not a great line, though. I I agree what they're going for. I agree with what they're going for here. That Dolores does have a bit of that in her. Yeah, it didn't bother me because like that's been you know she's a painter. She sees the world and light, and you know there's there's darkness this world, but there's also light. Like she's always mm-hmm. kind of talked in those big platitudes, so it didn't didn't really bother me. Okay, uh, how does he know what Caleb is going to do? That Caleb will destroy humanity? Is it literally just he knows Dolores and therefore? I don't, man. I it's one of my big theories is that Bernard doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about this is this theory, season. So I'm going in thinking that he's wrong. Now, it yeah. might be naive, but I think the the Bernard is still misreading the situation as he has. He's got a bigger piece of truth than he ever has, but um, it's it's possible that he has got the you know if 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 he's wrong with Dolores's motivations, then you know it's, he's also wrong in that like just because Caleb has been put on this path, we've seen the host break their loops. If this is yet another loop that she's got him on, she he can break that too. There's multiple mm-hmm. ways Bernard can be wrong, but I think he's just going to be wrong. Okay. Um, kind of not a ton to talk about here. Um, yeah, I guess I let's mean, go to the last shot, which is a very uh, a pissed off Caleb seeing Dolores dead and getting even more pissed off. Which I gotta say, that looks like the face of a leader to me. It's very John Connery. This is this is the face that Jeff Bezos gets out of bed with every morning. <laughs> oh man uh yeah why god you've got the it's like you know someone that is winning the game of life and still that pissed off uh oh, yeah. the, but no aaron paul's very good at that like he's got that set of his jaw and he's got the fire in his eye the he's got the literal the the metaphoric eye of the tiger and then he sees dolores the person who helped him so much dead um man it's so similar to season one where you know um, uh, 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 Dolores looking down at dead Ford and there's there's all this kind of like mentor passing of the torch and it feels all constructed. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, It is like until you mentioned it, I didn't realize how kind of dumb it was for the virtual assistant to talk to him right in the rubble of the EMP blast. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. It's a heavily shielded Bluetooth earpiece. I'm willing to give him a week to sort that out. Mm-hmm. But I I don't think they're going to. I think it's yeah, just gonna... you're just gonna have to roll with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's it. That's uh, Maeve and Dolores are dead ish. What what do they? What could they possibly do in the season finale that would be more epic than the showdown between Dolores and Maeve that ends in both of them kind of dead? They all inhabit riot control bots and they climb a skyscraper like mechanical King Kongs and duke it out on the 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 top right. floor. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just envisioning these riot control robots with like 
a Dolores wig glued to the top of it and a Maeve wig. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just uh-huh. clanging and banging each other. It'd be hilarious. That's what I'm that's what I'm rooting for in the finale. Do you have any idea what to, to root for or look for in the finale? I mean, like I said, I think uh, Rehoboam's going to end up with some copy of the plan or Solomon or something within it that it is now going to execute, like kind of hijack Rehoboam is my guess where that's headed, but, and that could be pretty epic. Mm -hmm. I'm just waiting to see what this Dolores, this German Dolores has got to be something else. I'm expecting that, like, I'm expecting Clementine... And uh, I'm expecting Clem and Hanario to go rescue Maeve's marble. And I don't know. It's interesting because also Dolores said something to uh, Musashi about uh, you can apologize to us all when you get here, implying that she's going to turn all these marbles and like Dolores is going to have to face all of her own copies and like be called to account on something. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm I can't even imagine what the hell's this this Berlin uh dolores is going to be something else uh they're, they're not going to save that for next season are they i hope not plus we see they're in the in you know we still haven't seen black obsidian erector set dolores i think that's the she's the old clockwork version that they somehow smuggled out because there's also a bunch of threads like i, I keep reading through uh, kim renfro and the insiders got just an amazing article that she keeps updated the open questions that are in the season. And one of them has been like early on, they established that, that the Dalos Corp has lost other host control protocol, uh, host control modules. We never found out which one of those are. Um, and there's this, this, uh, this I other, assume that they were the ones that Sirach grabbed. Well, but that happens later on. Right. Does but yeah, that was, but we think that was, that scene was a, sim- also we think that scene was a simulation now too. So you're Right. <laughs> right. You're right. Um, but there's just a whole bunch of these kind of like things that are like, we don't know where her final Dolores is. Um, how did she get that Erector set body out? Did she, is that what they stole from Delos? Where, cause everyone's like, why does she need to know information on how to make a host if she's got the machine? Well, maybe she wants to remake her old clockwork body because she doesn't trust this flesh and blood shit. Um, cause that was something that William even said, like, you know, you guys used to be beautiful and like these perfect things. And then they put you in this meat and it ruined you. Maybe that, that like she, that she took that into account. Like, it's a lot of stuff, um, and I don't expect them to answer every question. I expect them to raise mm. twice as many as they answer because they got another season, maybe th- three more to do, and you don't want to, you know, you got to it, – it's a delicate balance, giving people satisfying answers but also wanting to leave them more. And season one did that very well. Season two, not so much. I've really got high hopes for season three because, again, uh, I really liked the director of uh, episode six, and she's coming back for the finale, Jennifer Gatzinger. So okay. – I got high hopes for it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I definitely have enjoyed this season so far more than season two. Uh, it's been a little more straightforward, which I've appreciated. <laughs> you know, that could all be turned on its head next episode, but we'll see. Okay, let's move on to feedback. Uh, you can send feedback into Westworld at baldmove.com. Uh, man, we got just one more main show. We'll probably have a wrap-up, I imagine. There'll be definitely enough material to do a, a wrap-up the week after. We got one more main show and one more instant talk, instant take uh, to get the feedback into us at westworld at baldmove.com. First up is Dave. Says, when watching, I caught a bit of the graffiti in the Aaron Paul quick draw scene and went back to watch it again to make sure that I saw what I thought that I saw. I noticed the word badger and graffiti in the building behind Caleb and wondered if it was a coincidence or if this was a nice nod to Breaking Bad. Sure enough, when I pause it, you can see badger spelled B-A-G-E-R on the right and skinny on the bottom. No, it's not. It's not. I hate to burst your bubble here. It actually says eager. 
Oh no! Because yeah. you sent me the screenshot and it looks exactly like it says badger, and then it no, certainly says I, I skinny. For that. Oh man! I I yeah, hey hey, uh, it's it's all in the angle, and it looked like a B to me. I'm still calling that a partial nod to Badger and Skinny Pete of Breaking <laughs> Bad fame. Uh, okay. Hey, I you, you got me, Dave. Uh, you, you didn't get it past the the robot simulation of Jim here, so. Uh, let's move on to Charlie. I've had some comments from around the web about Maeve under control of Serac and why she doesn't just stop working for him and how she should be stopping him first and foremost. Aside from him having the kill switch on her, another point that we haven't, you know, made a lot of, of you know, having her by the metaphorical balls. Um, aside from having a kill switch on her, I have another angle of control, uh, and that control is through biological programming in the same way that religions, uh, mainly Christianity, especially evangelical, um, control the way they control people. We can look at it from the aspect of how religious people will say that they have free will, but in actuality, they won't exercise their free will because they fear what God might punish them with. Sirach has threatened her with virtual hell if she doesn't do as he commands, much like a Christian doesn't do what they feel like God has told them that they will burn. An interesting thought I had about the next level of control Maeve might be facing now. Uh, I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. He's threatening her with robot will- hell. And he better, she better obey God slash Rehoboam. That seems like it tracks to me. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess technically she still has free will in that scenario, but she can choose to go to robot hell. Right. The consequences are such that it effectively eliminates any choice. Yeah, it's free like free will and coercion. Like if you go along with blackmail, is that free will in the way we typically understand it? But Caitlin. If I missed this, feel free to call me out and shame, but did anyone discuss who was behind Holoris' car explosion last episode? It seemed to me like everyone immediately jumped to Serac, but when I was watching, my immediate response was that it must have been Dolores Prime. I know exactly how the timing will work on that, and it seemed like I was the only one questioning it, so I let it go, but if Serac didn't do it and it was Dolores, wouldn't that explain what we saw in the episode better? So we did talk about this last week. What was your what what was your understanding of our understanding, Jim? I mean, my understanding was last week that we were supposed to think it was Ciroc, uh, but the question was still up in the air who Charlotte, Shaloris, whatever, might think mm-hmm. it was. And I think in this episode, they firmly plant her in the it was Dolores camp. Yes. I think that they established it was one of Ciroc's goons that did it, but the open question was, did Ciroc do that because he saw the simulation that that would emotionally blackmail or compromise the Holoris character. And that seems, she seems to think that Dolores is behind it. Right. So, um, and then the, 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 the double secret double cross question is, did Dolores foresee all this happening because she had somehow worked out things with Solomon or she got, she used her five marbles in the beginning of the season, to network them together and do her own predictive analysis. Like I ah, fuck me. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think you're under, you're supposed to understand Serac did it, but in a way to frame Dolores. Jonathan says, I want to point out that we see Shaloris transferring the host making data to another location before the meeting where Serac exposed her. She told him she transferred the data and he's like, did you? So we don't know 100% if she did or if Serac somehow intercepted it. Yeah, I don't think she did. I think he knew she was going to try and had that, that capability shut off. Hmm. Um... Because in this episode, Dolores says, like, oh, my, you know, our thanks to Serac, our 
our kind are dwindling, you know, extremely quickly. If she had all of that data, I don't, I don't think she would be saying that, right? That blows up my like, that's idea. Why she's saying that? Yeah, that blew up my little idea that I had a couple of minutes ago about like maybe she was looking for the old school plans to make the clockwork robots because like mm -hmm. if she didn't get that transferred, then then that's. Um, yeah, I think in this episode she's lamenting the fact that he destroyed all that data hmm. and she didn't get a copy. And he finally says, I have no idea what happened to Connell's Pearl after she unplugged it, though. I mean, presumably, uh, Halora still has it in her possession. And now she's got Musashi's head. So there's uh, her and herself included is three out of five Dolores Pearls accounted for mm -hmm. uh, with Bernard being the other sixth. Uh, the other open question I was when I was reviewing Kim's um, article is that uh, why was there two copies of Hail made? There's the one that left the park, and then we saw early on the season a flashback to another copy of Hale's body being made in uh, the lab, the Bernard's lab, Arnold's lab. That's still an open question. Like, I wonder if the Berlin Dolores copy is actually Dolores Prime, and it's in the original Hale body. It's possible. So that's that's one thing I one thing I was thinking about. Um, Katie says, I'm kind of lost on who to root for this season. Dolores seems like she's going down an extreme path, but I think she has the right to free people from this Orwellian system of population control. But she's explicitly said that she doesn't know where that line is. Maeve, on the other hand, has a pure motive of wanting her people, namely her daughter, to be safe. Her aim, though, is so small scale, laser focused that she doesn't fit any type of antagonist role, in my opinion. So who do you root for, the liberator or the protector? Freedom versus safety. What good is freedom if you're dead or soulless? Is safe really safe if you aren't completely free? My final thought is how wonderful it feels to have so many. Okay, let's let's stay sit there. What is what do you see yeah. your analysis of this? And to me, this is the delicious thing about this season. Like yeah. there aren't clear antagonist protagonists. There are people with objectives. They're at odds of each other, and they're trying to be sorted out. Always the best kind of storytelling, in my opinion, is when people are making completely rational decisions for their own motivations, and those decisions just come into conflict with yeah. with other people doing exactly the same. And yeah. I think in this scenario they've constructed, Maven Dolores are both doing that. Um, mm -hmm. We've kind of detailed, you know, the the reasons we would say that about Maeve, um, and the reasons we'd say that about Dolores. But I, I think, yeah, I mean, where do I fall on this? I'm with Dolores. Like you can't be free if you are technically under the thumb of someone. Mm -hmm. um, and at any moment they could pull the switch on you. Mm -hmm. But I understand why Maeve's doing the stuff she's doing. I think Dolores's goal is probably a noble one. Even if it's genocide of the human race. Uh, no, I mean, I would definitely draw the line there. I, I think her goal is noble. I don't know that her means are. See, and I think that's um, what Bernard is. He is that line that she can't see. Yeah. Or yeah, she intended it right. to be. But then Maeve's the wild card. It's like I said, there's it's it's very tough because we, I think it's still true that Maeve was Ford's idea of of the way a host would break free of the park. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you also had Dolores, which is a more like was that Arnold's idea of how a host should break free? Are these two competing philosophies and they're they're taking place in the form of Maeve and Bernard? Um you know, are we are we gonna see Anthony Hopkins next week? I doubt it. I kind of think we will. <laughs> okay. 
And if so, it's it's one of the most well protected secrets of all time because there's been not a hint of that, not a hint of that at all. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. Maybe not because he did pretty much definitively say I'm 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 gone and you don't need me anymore. Um. But then again, Bernard could reimagine him, right. which would not be exactly Ford, but would be a way to get Anthony Hopkins back spitting those lines. Because honestly, I wonder how much of the problem you'd have with Dolores's poetic language is if it was old ass Anthony Hopkins saying it. You know, with his craggy face and his smooth British (laughs) delivery and just like it's that stuff sounds better coming out of his his mouth. Oh, for sure. Then then a potentially psychotic robot. Katie continues by musing. My final thought is how wonderful it feels to have so many female leads. They're so tough and smart and dynamic and engaging and uniquely flawed that I kind of forget how rare it is to have this sort of gender ratio. Anytime you get something, uh, this kind of thing, it's all girl power. Sometimes it feels like pandering when they inject it unnecessarily because it feels disingenuous and that feminine power is special or situation specific. This feels like it's not making a statement, which makes it an even bigger statement, if that makes sense. So, so it's super interesting because the genesis of this whole, uh, you know, what you might call a girl power movement in this show mm-hmm. is just that the women in that world were so shit upon that they're the natural protagonists coming out of that situation, right? It's yeah. like, oh, who who had it worse? Who, who's who's got the worst time of it in Westworld? Well, it's the people who are being abused and raped and killed every single day of their lives in this park. Yeah. Yeah. So now suddenly they're the people who come out of this and have a reason to be pissed off and a reason to be the heroes of the story. Yeah, and I so it feels very natural. I I agree. Um, and also like you know, th- yeah, maybe some of this uh girl power stuff is injected but like i go back and watch movies from like the 30s and 40s and 50s where like women are portrayed as essentially sexy children mm-hmm. that like maybe their hearts in the right place but their heads are full of just girl stuff and they're just wild and twisted up and they can't be trusted with any kind of real power responsibility like i don't know maybe we need a generation or two of like swinging back the other way before we can tell organic stories that people aren't like, getting all up in arms about mm-hmm. um Anyway, she also, her final thought is, that said, I actually do think they could be more explicit about the gender-based violence that Dolores and Maeve have experienced. This is different than saying I'm tough and I'm a woman. Dolores' programmed identity was to be submissive to every man she came along and picked up on uh, her rollaway can. And she was violently raped hundreds, if not thousands of times. Her liberation is not simply about being able to choose her own path. Uh, but to get justice for the decades of her being brutalized, giving up her murder bot phase, I feel like she kind of lost sight of that latter part. We still get flashes of her being dragged to the barn. So maybe I'm contradicting my own wish for subtlety here. Um, I'm not I don't I'm not sure exactly what Katie is trying to get at. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a man and I understand the frame of reference. But I felt like they all too clearly painted a picture of what these women were going through in the first two seasons. Like, I don't need a flashback to her being drugged back to the barn by her hair to know that, like, you know, and she's comments on it pretty frequently, too. So, like, I'm not I'm not sure what Katie's wanting to be more of here. Maybe maybe just for Dolores to be a little bit more kill happy, a little bit more angry about retribution. Well, yeah, I mean, they've they've done that. They've done that in the story. And so that's ingrained into everything that Dolores is doing now. Like when I see Dolores working toward her end goal of freedom for the host, I know it's because not only just of like the justice of that fundamental concept, but the Mm -hmm. justice, like you said, of all the injustices she's experienced over her life. Uh, They've told that part of it well enough for me to just sort of read all of that into it without them having to say it anymore. Yeah. 
is so it maybe, just maybe that's what they assume they've done is they don't need to say it because they know now is it just for just humans to have intelligence to them like who who am i solomon <laughs> i can't i can't answer that question are we in fact here and this is in fact now i can't uh, tell so i don't give a shit <laughs> John, on the instant takes uh, slash talk walk podcast, you guys thought that Caleb might not be the past pawn because you defined past pawn as a point. Actually, hold on a second. Yeah, uh, this is it. all a bunch of chase analysis. I think we pretty much got right when you asked me in the first. Is there anything I can say from this email? Okay, here we go. John writes in, I like the sassy Jean-Mi voice Solomon AI and I want it to return like Aaron. And I thought of a way it could. Do you think that maybe all those Matrix-like bodies plugged into its system kept in suspended animation could be used as a giant processor for Solomon? What if that's how you build a supercomputer god? You plug in a couple hundred thousand human brain processors together. If that's the case, the EMP would have no effect in their brains, just the cryopods, which could theoretically be rebooted before the bodies either rot or the people wake up. So I think this is going back to like my comments a week or two ago about like the original plot of the matrix was not humans being batteries, but humans being um, like distributed central processing units um, or cloud computing. Uh, I don't know. I don't like, I, it, it seems hard to believe that they're without an automated process that presumably is incapacitated by the EMP that you could bring all this stuff back online. And also Caleb's making no, effort at all to bring this stuff back online um it looks like he's just ready to go and pursue a cat so like i don't as much as i want to see these frozen bodies wake up and do something or be relevant to the plot i think they were just hey look how similar we are to the hosts well in all likelihood and, bernard and Stubbs and william are going to show up at this facility next week right oh shit you're right so what do they do i guess is the question where they get william's there? the one that yeah. no one sees coming because he's marked dead. William's going to be the destroyer <laughs> of the human side. He's going to wake up these people and we're all fucking bastions of society here. Shake off your f frost and follow me. Put your pants on. Get a gun. <laughs> we don't have enough pants for everyone. So you'll <laughs> everyone have to share a leg. Yeah. It's a three legged sack potato race to destroy all robots. <laughs> that won't look yeah. silly. No, I, I want to see that. I want to see. I want to see that um, directed to the hilt. Jesus. Uh, Dan says I couldn't help but notice Sirach's hologram scene where he greets Caleb and Dolores. He talks about you are now a better version of yourself with the rough edges sanded smooth, no longer a danger to the world or yourself. He finished with some crazy talk, but that line I made a connection to Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange, where there's a very similar pitch from a government scientist after Alex is reeducated in scenes reminiscent of the Man in Black and Caleb's reeducation. Uh, instead of goggles, they use clamps on the old eyeballs. Either way, you can't look away, and the treatment is ultimately reversed in both cases. I know Nolan is a huge Kubrick fan and, in my opinion, is his primary successor. Uh, Nolan and Joy, I'm sure, are also fans. Uh, it's not a great grand theory, but I thought it's an interesting connection slash tribute. I totally yeah. see it. Mm -hmm. Very, very reminiscent of Clockwork Orange. Matt says, I haven't been following any close watching subreddit predictions or reactions since the second season, but this show is feeling a bit like it thinks it's more clever than it really is. Is the reveal that Caleb killed Francis all that surprising or effective? The show has taught us to watch closely and second guess everything and nothing we saw about Caleb really felt that surprising. We're chasing the highs of season one, uh, but we're not getting them. 
Uh, I mean, it could be that you're no longer following the close watching subreddit predictions. Uh, and so because there's like tons of, you know, and we, we, Jim and I've talked a lot about like, how do you tell a mystery box story in 2020 in the age of the Internet in the age of like Reddit being Rehoboam predicting everything? And one thing that we've seen, like uh, Mr. Robot and uh, uh, Watchmen successfully use, is the, these mini arcs where they bury a mystery in plain sight that the fandom, they give them obvious clues and the fandom tears into those. And the actual reveals that they deploy are the surprise. It's almost like uh, a meta red herring. Yeah. Or, or like using like uh, decoys or chaff the the fool radar like you know heat seeking flares and whatnot um because there's a lot of stuff buried in these reveals like you know the identical or the close to identical uh patient id stuff um the fact that there's hints of multiple rounds of brainwashing for caleb uh the francis caleb thing was just a thing they wanted you to wonder about while they're deploying the real now I could be looking very foolish next episode. Next episode could be very humdrum and not mind blowing at all, and then I'd I'd look stupid. But that's what I think is happening. I feel like we've put Nolan and Joy into an impossible corner where we've said we don't want your show to be so tricky that we can't follow it, and then mm-hmm. we also don't want your show to be so straightforward now that it doesn't surprise us or trick us. Mm-hmm. And they've got to be sitting back just going, what the fuck do you want from us? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Because we do, we try to do the tricky thing in season two. We did the tricky thing in season one. It worked out spectacularly. Season mm-hmm. two, you hated us for it. Season mm-hmm. three, we tried to go back to what you said you wanted, which was not as tricky, but somehow that hasn't panned out either for you. So what the fuck does this audience want? We want you to do ever more experimental and wild, jaw-breaking, innovative storytelling, but we want uh-huh. you to not make any mistakes. Right. And but I, you know, there's <laughs> I, I think also like the the some of the execution has left a bit of desire to be desired, mm-hmm. and like if, um, for example, if the stunts just have uh, struck you as ridiculous. It's easy to get lost and start nitpicking everything, and especially when they use some of these stunts to tell a narrative story. You know, like. You know, the, the Maeve and, and Dolores fight was about the their philosophies as much as it's about their fists. Um, and you've trained people to, like, you know, look for the holes and the flaws and how dumb it all is. Then they've they've lost you. So, like, I think that I, I, I you know, this is this is criticism for two seasons now. I really do think they need to look at their stunts and how they're setting. And, and I don't even I don't think it's maybe the professional staging them. I think they're doing as best as they can, given the setup and whatnot. But like. Um, they just need to do a better job of really thinking about why are people here? What physical space are they inhabiting? What, you know, like if having guns miss human sized targets from 30 feet away. Does that really work? And like, like you just have to sweat a little bit more to get to that next level where you got a plus television rather than B plus television. And that's what we want. That's what we want from all these prestige dramas to do mm-hmm. everything Take us by surprise and have A-plus execution and acting and casting and writing 100% of the time. Um, and that's not realistic, but I think there are improvements that can be made. And 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 not it's not a storytelling problem. It's an ex, it's just a little bit of execution, a little bit of like planning, pro, a bit of a problem. Yeah, I mean, I think they had a storytelling problem last season. Um, it was yes. the, the conceptually what they were going for was a very hard thing to do. And they had to nail it perfectly 
in order for it not to just confuse the shit out of everyone. Right. Uh, I'll admit I was very confused at the end of that season. Uh, mm. I am appreciating this season more not being so confused, being able to follow the story, being able to know, you know, unless there's some huge twist, which they're saving for the end, which at this point I'd be fine with because I feel like I'm following the story up to now. And if it can recontextualize things, great. If that's not there, I still feel like I've gotten a better season than season two because I've been able to understand what I'm supposed to be getting out of it every mm-hmm. every episode instead of going, why is any of this happening? Mm-hmm. And why should we care? Because like the other thing is yeah. like uh, we actually have a human side that is somewhat relatable mm-hmm. and has like in, in both Serac and Caleb, like, you know, Serac, say what you will about him. He's got a very human motivations and yeah. very like understandable reactions to trauma that he's experienced. So like just having the humans not be complete idiots and someone that you can kind of see what their side is. They're not just one sided, you know, running a torture chamber, psychopaths that also are terrible at aim and terrible at tactics and strategy. Like just just adding a little dimension to the other primary antagonist has done a lot for this season, I think. Um Let's move on to Zach. Quick note on the various Dolores hosts. There's been a discussion about how Dolores and Maeve are using the hosts for their own purposes. In the case of Dolores, couldn't it be said that she downloaded a version of herself that was committed to the cause at that exact moment, but also understood that the commitment could change as the hosts diverged from one another? I don't think Dolores would necessarily be upset that one of her hosts changed their mind. I think it's something she would have anticipated could happen and potentially even simulated the divergences and betrayals. This is different than the situation of Maeve, who presumably is recruiting her host allies to her, which they may choose, but may uh, they may not know Maeve is willing to sacrifice them. It's unclear what kind of choice they have. Hmm. That's actually pretty interesting, that the Dolores hosts can diverge from her, but they all have an accurate understanding of their starting philosophies and mold- motives and goals, Right. Whereas Maeve can lure you with a speech about freedom and whatnot, but you don't know that she actually has your best interest at heart. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like how could Dolores hide something from her copies about herself? It'd be very difficult. But then again, like Bernard's always, you know, that's one of the things Bernard's worried about. Like, she made me. How can I guarantee that she didn't fuck with something? So yeah. I guess the Dolores host could always wonder that as well. Sure. You know, are they, am I a perfect copy or am I the copy that you excised your murderous lack of care of our beings in, you know? Yeah. Uh, moving on to David. I'm hoping that they find a way to bring Solomon back from the EMP. I agree with what you said during instant talk. Super dueling AIs would be awesome. Solomon versus Rohobo, Robo Hobo predicting the future against each other would be like Rick and the Heistatron going back and forth for two hours arguing. I programmed you to believe that. In this scenario, Dolores would be the Randotron. The only thing I can't figure out is if Caleb is Morty or Mr. Poopy Butthole. <laughs> I forgot that they did they they did that this this season of Rick and Morty. Rick built a uh like an Ocean's Eleven style heist bot. Yeah. Uh and they tried the Ocean's Eleven like where it's like, well, you thought this was a SWAT and it was actually us cleaning out your bank. Well, you thought you were cleaning out your bank and we were actually doing and they just went they like like ten minutes of the episode is devolved in them just doing that over and over and over again. That would be pretty funny. And also yeah. illustrate the difficulty of operating in a space that Rick and Morty is also operating in. <laughs> Fair. Um, when are we going to get a Westworld? Like a West Morty? It's a Morty world. Six and a half seasons, I'm sure. Probably. Probably. Um, all right. Finally, we got Zeke. 
You ask in your instant talk about how does someone fight against someone who can predict them almost limitlessly. I have to ask a question. Did Dolores plan all of this out? I don't like the simulation theories, so I'm excluding these possibilities, as it's possible that, like Ford before, this whole season has been her plan. Her lack of surprise as Connell uh, when he accessed Rehoboam, uh, Hale when Serac showed up, Sato when Maeve and Clementine showed up separately, or herself this episode when Maeve showed up once again. Her lack of surprise could be her robot demeanor, or she could have seen him coming just moments before. If this is all going according to her plan, then getting herself killed or caught could have been as well, and makes me wonder if they've been right uh, before with her plan being to sacrifice herself and give Bernard or Caleb the ability to finish the fight. But with this, I think she may be planning something for Maeve as well, allowing Maeve to have all her cores as an army to help her and whomever she decides to side with, thinking it will be Caleb. What do you think about that possibility? Is it possible that if Dolores had succeeded in convincing Maeve not to fight with Serac, that her plan would have been thrown off? Like, she's trying to understand it. She's questioning it. Like, why are you fighting? Like, my predictions all say you have to fight against me, but why? Yeah. And then she accidentally convinces her, and then suddenly the plan is off because her mind changed. That reminds me of, like, what they said in the, uh, what was it, the... Um... The Oracle said in the Matrix, uh, like, you know, you're not here to understand the choice. You're here to understand why you made the choice or something yeah. along those lines. Um, I think that could be interesting that like um, the other thing there's man, there's a really good theory that was there was just someone pointing out something that like. Um, so why did Maeve bring Hanyaro back rather than Armstice? The real life question is apparently the the actress who plays Armstice has been very active in her native country and she's got a long running play that she's like starring in. So she just wasn't available for it. Hmm. But it's kind of on brand for Ciroc to get approximately what you wanted. Like he's going and pulling hosts. It's like, oh, she wants Hector and she wants uh, this Clementine and she wants this Armstice. And they get confused about Armstice versus Hanyo because it's essentially the same thing from his perspective. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, like, you're supposed to understand that, like, Dolores's fatal flaw is that she knows what Maeve's going to do, but not why, which means she doesn't really know what she's going to do or, or what, like, if she's pushed into some kind of binary choice of sacrifice, what she might do because she doesn't understand why she's doing it. I think that's kind of really interesting. Um, and like that, like, simulation philosophical, super smart AI stuff, I, I think that's really cool. Don't forget, we also have a new Patreon, patreon.com slash baldmove. You can use that or the club at club.baldmove to support us. And coming immediately after we're done with Westworld, we're going to be started talking uh, about the new show Devs, which is very AI, robot, artificial intelligence, uh, simulation stuff heavy on our new show Off the Clock. And you can get both of those either as a patron or a club member, patreon.com slash baldmove. And with that musing, put to bed, it's time to do the same to the podcast. Uh, appreciate everyone who listened the to the very end, to the grim, bitter end here. Uh, we have actually not the grim, bitter end. We got a full podcast next week with an instant talk and instant take on Sunday night. Uh, and then the week after that, we'll have a wrap-up podcast where we'll try to go through all the open questions from this season. Um, go over your final thoughts before we put the, the feed to bed until the next season of Westworld. Uh, Hope you stick with us and join us on that. Send your feedback to westworld at baldmove.com. And if you want to check out the instant take, that'll be on baldmove.com on Sunday night. Until then, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.